0: Welcome to the Just Grace It Podcast with Brian and Re- <laughs> I might just leave this. Welcome to the Just Grace it Podcast with Brian and Becky Ross. He's the pastor and my hubby.
1: She's the horse girl and my wife.
0: And we're coming to you from our home in the Midwest, Refuge Farm.
1: Join us as we discuss how to apply God's grace to marriage, family, life, and ministry in, in the, the Just Grace, grace it, it Podcast. podcast. Hey everybody, this is Brian and Becky and we're here for the next episode of the podcast. Wanna welcome you to
0: And just in case you don't know what you're listening to, it's the Just Grace It podcast with Brian and Becky Ross.
1: Yes. <laughs> we want to thank everybody. I had a lot of people this past weekend or a week. I was or I should say earlier this week I was in Chicago at the Bible at a Bible conference and had a bunch of people come up to me and share with me that they really like our introduction with the mistake in it and you laughing and they said that it brought a smile to their face every time they heard it so okay. they want us to keep it
0: all right so i guess the intro is yeah. staying i was
1: a couple of people locally from church said the same thing so
0: not one person said we should change it at all so i guess we're staying with the intro as it is Yep.
1: which is what i wanted to do the whole time so
0: yes i know yes i just thought maybe we should sound a little more professional but yeah that's okay we don't have to be professional
1: not too professional
0: no but um we are going to we're in our third season after taking a break for a while we did an episode last week we're on our second episode of season three
1: two weeks in a row two
0: weeks in a row we're recording so yay for us um, and we are going to. Um, we shared last week that we are going to be using a book that we used with our small group at church. Um, and the book is called Lifetime Guarantee Making Your Christian Life Work and What to Do When It Doesn't by Bill Gillum. And I just wanted to. We're probably going to dive right in because I was making some notes.
1: Can I say a quick word just about how we found out about this book? Yes. So at our Bible conference at church in 2019...
0: I think you shared this story before.
1: I did? Yes, you did. Well, just quick. I was teaching some things related to the flesh and the brain and how these things work. And a gentleman in the audience who was visiting from New York, came up to me and asked me if I'd ever read this book, Lifetime Guarantee, because what I was saying was very similar, had a lot of things in common with what Bill Gillum says in this book, and I had to tell the guy, no, I'd never heard of the book. So after the conference, I went ahead and uh, ordered it, and then it came, and I started reading it late 2019, early 2000, right around the time... 2020 2020 that's what i meant right around the time covid was starting to break and then you read it and so it kind of took some legs from there but anyway that's how we became aware of the book
0: yeah and it um it really helped us cement and form our current view of what is the flesh that the bible talks about um what is you know, what does the brain what does your brain have to do with that? What does your mind have to do with that? What does your emotions have to do with that? Um, and you know, are we as believers um you know, Paul talks about how we um struggle with the flesh and what exactly is that? And as believers, are we too you know, are we both saint and and sinner at the same time? Are we both, um, you know, what are we as a believer? What, how, how does the flesh play into that? I mean, is
1: your old man yes that's, really thank you. Was really I was dead, looking. or is God just view it as dead? Kind right, kind of kind right. of thing.
0: And so this particular book, um, after a lot of studying different things and you know scripture obviously and trying to put it all together and figure it out um the author of this book he comes from a grace perspective and he just put it together in a way that for us really made a lot of sense and so i also just want to say real quick before we get into it that for those of you who come to our church and have come to the small group and have gone through some of the book with us and have been in some of those um, studies, um, please don't turn this off and be like, "Okay, well, we already went through this," or or think that this is going to be more of the same. Um, because in that group, we were it was a study, but it was a discussion, and we were all kind of sharing our ideas and our thoughts and telling stories and you know going through scripture and all of that. So. What we're wanting to do with it on the podcast is going to be a little bit different. Um, You know, I sat down this morning and we sat down together and we um, came up with some notes and we're going to try to go chapter by chapter and just really hopefully break this down in a way that's really understandable. And... If you wanna follow along and you haven't read the book, I think you can get it on Amazon, right yeah,
1: now. you can order it. We'll put a link in the description to yeah. Amazon where you can order it yeah. and you know just just in full disclosure, like this is this is a tool. It's not like we're elevating this book as like the final you know authority or word on this, but it is helpful practically to discuss and facilitate conversation around. You know what? Re- what is really going on with people that they're really struggling with? You know, as believers, people who are saved, justified, they're they're saints of the Most High God. They're redeemed. They're forgiven. They haven't. you know that they're a new creature in Christ. Yet, why do we still, you know, struggle with, you know, different things? For example, I was in a conversation just last night with a gentleman on. On Facebook, I'd made a post, and 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 he had said that he really struggles with his with his speech. And you know, many of us do, right? So, like, wh- why do we still struggle with that if we're a new creature? So he just has Bill Gillum in the book; just has a lot of real practical ways of sort of just talking about all that.
0: Yeah. Um. And in the preface of the book, his son preston wrote the preface and um two of the things that he said that i underlined you didn't even read the preface but i read the preface but (laughs) but um he says the last thing in the world god's adversary wants believers to grasp is just that an understanding of what they have been delivered from and no longer have to yield to as new people in christ um And then he says, a little bit later, he said, Read the book, then read the book. Meaning, read my dad's book, but also read the book, as in scripture. Read the Bible. Judge dad's pen against the divine pen. So, he's not saying, his son is not saying, the author is not saying, Hey, I have perfectly figured this all out, and, you know, my view on it is...
1: Infallible, Infallible or, the, or whatever. You know, but no.
0: yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there before we got into it. Okay. So, okay, so unless you have something else, should we go for it? We should. Okay. Let me pull out my notes then. Okay. So, um, As I read in the preface, um, and what his son Preston talked about in the preface was how we as believers, we have an adversary. And if you're new to, you're a new believer or you're new to the faith, or maybe you're not even a believer, I don't know, um... We believe that our adversary, our spiritual adversary, is Satan. And Satan's name actually means adversary. Mm -hmm. So he is adverse and against believers. Um, And he said, the last thing that Satan, our adversary, wants you to grasp is an understanding of what you have been delivered from and what you are no longer what you no longer have to yield to as a new creature in christ and then in the notes that i was taking i put second corinthians five seventeen. 17 so do you want to read second corinthians five seventeen? 17 i do we've talked about this in other episodes and i'll try to put a link to those other episodes because this series is going to build on some of what we talked about in those other episodes
1: Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new.
0: And I think we should talk about how do we get in Christ.
1: So we get in Christ by believing the gospel, 1 Corinthians fifteen three through 4 which I will read. I'm going to read it straight from the text just to make sure that I... Sometimes when I quote it, I don't quote it exactly as it's written, but it says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So the way somebody becomes a new creature in Christ is they acknowledge that they're a sinner, that they can't save themselves. That their work, effort, performance, their own ability to try to make God happy with them is going to fall short. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world through the incarnation of the virgin birth of Jesus so that he could die on the cross, shed his blood, satisfy God's justice against sin, be buried and raised again the third day, and that he would give eternal life to anybody who trusted and relied exclusively on what Christ did for them. And when you believe that message, you become a new creature in Christ.
0: So that's important for two reasons. Number one, it's important to talk about that because that is how we become a new creature in Christ, is by belief in Christ's finished work. But also it's important because... um, I think sometimes what happens is we get to a place where we have no problem understanding that we can't work or be good enough or do anything that will earn our salvation. So we we trust that we can't do that, but then after we're saved and after we're put in Christ, um... Then we somehow go back to the idea that, okay, well now we have to do things either, either we get the idea that we have to do things to keep God happy with us, to keep our salvation, to To maintain fellowship, to prove we're saved, Um and also i think sometimes we struggle i mean everybody has things that they struggle with just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't struggle with sin and temptation and you know and doing things the wrong way sometimes which is what the whole book is about in the first place
1: why we struggle why
0: we struggle um when we're this new creature why is it we still struggle we We tend to go back to this idea that, well, we can just do it on our own. Right. Which is living out of the
1: flesh. It's you living out of your own effort now. Your own ability, strength, power to try to... Yeah. He says right here on the back cover, trying harder is not the answer. Right. So it's that flesh struggle to try to, well, I I can do this.
0: Right. Um, so the problem that's addressed in the book is how to make the Christian life work. And on page 14, some of this is a paraphrase of just me paraphrasing what they wrote. Um, but on page 14, it talks about the harder you try out of your own effort, the more frustrated that you'll become. We must get to the place where we acknowledge that we can't, but he can. And then I, it made that sentence made me think of Galatians two twenty.
1: Yeah, want me to read that?
0: Yeah, (laughs) you're the scripture. I'm the
1: scripture guy, I guess, huh? Galatians two twenty. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me.
0: And then, I didn't know where this verse was, but where Paul talks about how in his flesh there dwells no good thing. Is that in Romans 7?
1: Yeah. Keep going, I'll find it.
0: Okay. So, the problem, just to reiterate, the problem that the book addresses is how to make the Christian life work. And I think we all struggle with that. We, we all get to that place where we're like, okay, I'm saved, why am I still struggling with you know, well, like the gentleman you were talking to last night on Facebook, like, why am why am I still struggling with, you know, using bad language sometimes, or maybe my speech isn't gracious when I have a disagreement with somebody, or maybe I, you know, drink too much, or maybe I um, have a temper that gets out of control, or maybe I'm selfish, or maybe any number of things we all have things that we struggle with that is sin and why if we're new creatures do we struggle so that's what the the problem that the book is it's trying
1: Romans to address. Romans 7:18 for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but I know how to perf- sorry for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not
0: Right. So out of his flesh, there is out of our flesh, there is no good thing. You want to do the thing that's right, but you're struggling to perform it. That's the problem.
1: Yeah.
0: So um, the opposite of that, though, is that Christ now indwells you. Um, when you become a believer... <coughs> The Holy Spirit, Christ's Spirit, comes and lives in your heart by faith. We've talked about on previous episodes how we believe we have been given a new heart, that that's part of what we receive when we become a new creature.
1: All things.
0: All things are made new. And we've talked about how, how can the Spirit of Christ live in a heart that's still wicked? Those two things can't mix. So um, if you want to know more information about that, you can go back to that episode. Um, But Christ now indwells you to enable you to cooperate with him, to express his life through you moment by moment, not just when you encounter situations that you can't handle by yourself. And I think that's where... A lot of times we get into trouble is we have this, this is just how I look at it. I feel like for me personally, sometimes I have this pile of stuff that I know I can't handle. So I'm like, okay, God, you can have that pile over there because I know I can't handle it. But I'll take this pile over here and I'll I'll do all that myself. I don't need you to, to help over here. I can handle it. And I think that's where a lot of people, including myself, you struggle It's because you still think that you can do something over here to handle this over here in your little pile, but you really can't.
1: Right. So you're you're not relying on Christ. You're right. still relying on self. On yourself. Exactly. And that's that's kind of what he's getting at, right? That. Mm-hmm. It's it, It's not you and Christ doing it together. It's you saying, I have A, B, C that I can handle. And you can handle, he can handle, you know, C, D, and E. Right. But Or whatever. Got my letters back, messed up. But you get the point.
0: Right. So, um, he also talks about figuring out your own personal symptoms of living in the flesh. So... What is it for you specifically that you struggle with? And this is where you have to be honest with yourself. You have to do a little bit of evaluation and think about, you know, what it is that you struggle with and be honest about what it is that you struggle with. And sometimes that's hard because you don't want to admit, especially if it's,
1: well, it requires it requires being you know vulnerable, uh, you know with maybe with other people even and yourself, right? Like
0: and being humble, being humble, and hard.
1: acknowledging that yeah. there's these areas in your. So there's two things: there's the areas that you are thinking you're in control of, and what, but then there's also the default mechanisms that you try to deal with life out of.
0: We're going to talk about so, that in a
1: minute. It's it's like both of those things, right? So, right. you know, may, maybe it's anger, maybe it's your tongue, maybe it's lust, maybe it's you know controlling people in circumstances and situations so that because you think if you don't control it, then you know it's not going to go the way that you want it to, and you know all all of those are.
0: Oftentimes, I think. If you're somebody that experienced trauma, abuse, um, you know any of those things, you can um, you go into self-protection mode, and in order to not get hurt, you want you want to try to create the perfect scenario in a relationship or you know a certain situation because you you want to avoid getting hurt again.
1: And so you have certain mechanisms that you have used in the past that may have worked
0: whether they were good what, mechanisms they were or, good not, or not they may whether, have worked, whether they yeah. were
1: good for you or not they may have worked for that for you to accomplish the outcome you thought you needed and then those sort of became patterns and habits and dispositions in your way of handling life and coping with life that then you know sort of solidify, but I'm probably getting ahead of maybe where you want to be so. well
0: yeah we, we're gonna talk about that in a minute so um, so number one when you're thinking about this like figure out what your flesh symptoms are what are the things that you struggle with that you know you struggle with
1: um, I would add though like you, you're not on your own in this like you have you have the scripture, you have Galatians five that gives lists out the works of the flesh. You have Ephesians four and Ephesians five that talk about, you know, the, the mindset that the Gentiles operate out of. And
0: Colossians talks about the put on and put off. You got,
1: you got Colossians three where it talks about all that. So like, you're not just left on your own to try to like well what are the what what is what are the works of my flesh you know well because and the the Bible can help you with that
0: if you're super brave, also asking your spouse if you're married like you know if that's a conversation that you can have yeah, you know safely um asking your kids
1: <laughs> now you're being real, <laughs> you know risky there aren't you
0: so um, he talks about how there is a twofold problem. Number one, you're trying to live the Christian life instead of collaborating with Christ. And I never really thought about this. The word collaborate before, but the word labor is in the word collaborate. Co labor. It's co. You're co laboring with Christ to do something. But when you're off over here managing your own pile and then you've given him that pile and you take this pile, you're not collaborating. You're not co-laboring together. You're not allowing him to work.
1: And that's basically Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, right? So it's not like you're, you're, you're created in Christ and he's working in you and he wants to work in you. Yeah. And So it's not just you... Having to go have all the answers and figure it all out it's... you know
0: it's really interesting. I'm going to pull out a horse thing oh, here boy. because I just I had the opportunity to go to um a local ranch today that I didn't even know existed um and they have a program in the summer that um works with at risk youth and um the trainer that I have was over there and he invited me he was working with a couple of the horses and he um was teaching the kids just some basic horsemanship and you know allowing them to experience what that was like and um so I went out there today just to observe and meet the people that run the ranch and you know just kind of see what they were doing there with these kids and it hit me today when I was watching him work with one of the horses he was doing a lesson on how to catch your horse that maybe is uncatchable and when the horse has his butt turned to you um he's not cooperating with you he's you know he's you're inviting him to come in and have a relationship with you but the horse is like not even looking at you so then you have to figure so that's out So like
1: horse body language for take a hike.
0: Yeah, right. Like uh, yeah, I'm out. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And there can be varying degrees of that. So this one particular horse that he's working with um the trainer went into the little paddock area that the horse was in and the horse kind of took one look at him and then walked to the other corner and turned his butt to him to the trainer and so the trainer was like okay so my job now is to communicate with this horse that I want to have relationship with him and I want him to you know come and connect with me and so what you do to to you Want to teach your horse to catch you, not you always be being the one to march up to the horse and just put the halter and lead rope on and say, come on, we're going to go and do whatever. Um, you want to teach your horse to want to be with you. And so he, what you do is you um, throw, you put some pressure on the hindquarters by either using your stick and string. And putting pressure on with the stick and string at the hindquarters, or you throw your lead line out, or whatever it is that, whatever tool you have. And a lot of times, what the horse will do is they'll either start walking around you in a circle, or they'll start trotting or running around you in a circle. But as soon as that horse gives you two eyes, you and starts cooperating with you, you take all the pressure off. And eventually what happens is the horse gave him two eyes and stood there and looked at him and then decided, okay, yeah, I think I want to have relationship with you and then started following him around. Like everywhere he went, even if he made turns or whatever the horse was following him wherever he went. And it just made me think about as I was watching this, like, That's, like, what the grace of God does. Like, God's grace is there, like, inviting you to have relationship and, like, hey, you don't have to do this on your own. I'm here to help you. I'm here to co-labor with you. I'm here to, like, have this partnership with you. But how many times are we, like, turning our hang (laughs) so to speak, and, you know, and not wanting to do that because we think we have a better idea? Yeah. You know? But grace is really, his grace is there because he wants to have that partnership, but we're not meant to do it all on our own.
1: But how, and how, but how many, going a step further with that, how many people think that the way God gets your attention is by smacking you? By Which by he using, never
0: did. The what, trainer never did to the horse.
1: Right. So my point is, you talk all the time about natural horsemanship versus like, you know, maybe traditional uh, traditional, i guess where you're maybe much more hard on the horse physically and what have you to get force and and you're like forcing the horse to right
0: there's no grace there to
1: do what you want it to do whereas what you've described and what i've seen you do is you know you you engage with the horse's mind to let's show the horse that this is really a better way mm-hmm. and so you're saying that's a correlation there with you know how how grace works and operates because the horse totally law. gets to
0: decide law yeah. would
1: be you get your butt over here you I'm naughty marching horse. Up to that
0: horse i'm catching you i'm taking you and oh yeah by the way you were bad so i'm gonna smack you around a little right.
1: bit right and yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good
0: yeah so anyway. you heard my
1: wife say it Turn your hindquarters to Jesus. Don't do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Don't do That's that. It's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, that was just my little object lesson from what I did today.
1: So remind everybody what you were using that to illustrate again from your notes.
0: So he was talking in the book about how there's a twofold problem that we have. You're trying to live Christian life instead of collabor- collaborating with Christ to live it for you and through you. So it's not supposed to be about us. It's not I, but Christ. He wants to live it for you and through you. And then the second problem is you are not comprehending how to appropriate your true identity as the new creation you already are in Christ. So you're not allowing him to collaborate with you and you're not Comprehending what your true identity is and what that all means, even though you are this new creature, you're not living in that. You're not so choosing. Y- you
1: to... are a new creature, but you're going back in the corner with your butt, right? Trying to do it, being stubborn and trying to do it your own way, your own way, in your own ability, your own strength, your right. own power, the way you've always done it,
0: right? Because that's what's worked for
1: you. Because it's worked for you in the past. In a Negative worldly way. human sense you've gotten whatever it is you felt you needed out of a situation by doing this mm-hmm. and so you just revert back to that's the way you're doing it right yeah
0: right so then there is another um quote that i wrote down that i thought was exceptionally good um it said the key to experiencing victory in christ so now that we know what the problem is, the key to experiencing victory in Christ lies in learning how to literally walk in newness of life, as described in the Word. Yeah, that's, that's Romans that's also, Romans isn't it? That's Romans
1: 6. Um, let me find it. So this is in a passage about Identification. Uh, where are we at here verse 4 Romans 6 4 therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life
0: so we're a new creature and we have newness of life we have a new way that we can go it's like the horse following the trainer he can go his own path which would be like us walking in the flesh, or he can follow the trainer and walk in the new way, walk in the newness of life. Right, and that was
1: verse 4. Verse 5 says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin.
0: So that's your part of your new identity is you are dead and freed from sin. The old man is dead and you are freed from sin. You don't have to go your own way anymore.
1: It's not just that God sees him as dead. It's that he's dead. Mm -hmm. He's crucified. He's dead. He's been put to death by the death of Christ. Your identification with Christ on the cross killed the old man, crucified it. Right. But I think that's a key point, though, and we have to stress it, is that it, so many people get to this and they think, well, he just sees me this way. I'm no, not, you are I'm that not way. really... You, you
0: are that way. It's not just a yeah. seeing you that way. You are that way. You are a new creature. You are dead to sin. You all, don't have to old walk. All
1: things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new.
0: Right. So where does... So then I can just imagine that people are like, okay, that's great, and I hear the scripture that says that, and you clearly read it out of the Bible, so it says that, but then why do we still sin? And that's where the the flesh flesh comes in. in. And so if you don't mind, if you want to read his description of what the flesh is here, because I think his description of the flesh has been like...
1: Are you talking about page 21?
0: I have it underlined there
1: which part so Bill Gillum defines the flesh as the term flesh has many meanings in the Bible but our primary definition here is this flesh refers to the old ways or patterns by which you have attempted to get your needs supplied instead of seeking Christ first and trusting him to meet your needs. These patterns develop as you are growing up in your parents' home, and when the Holy Spirit begins the work of tearing them down, most Christians panic at the idea of losing them.
0: I um, kind of condensed that down, and I just said that it's your brain programmed for satisfying your needs. It's a way your brain gets programmed to satisfy your needs apart from Christ. And that can come from a bunch of different sources
1: right including religion
0: including religion yeah so then he goes through eight steps um, of what kind of how this happens so step number one you have needs and God created you with needs so that you would want to begin a relationship with Christ I can't even read my own writing now. Oh, who is the satisfier of all your needs? So, you're a person that God created with needs, and your needs are truly satisfied in in Christ. Are you looking something up? Yes.
1: can't find it so keep going I'll okay. let you know
0: so step one you have needs you have needs I have needs we all have needs that need to be met we have a need for love we have a need um, to be um, accepted cherished nurtured fulfilled we have all, all kinds of needs
1: so Philippians 4 says but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus.
0: Did you know that that's the one I wrote in the book? No. I wrote that verse in in my book (laughs) next to that. So step one, we all have needs. Step two, we want to be in control, and he calls it being the Lord of your ring. So if you know the movie and the book, the Lord of the Rings, um, we want to have control. We want to be the Lord of our ring. And this started at the fall with Adam and Eve. Satan convinced Eve that God hadn't really met all her needs and that there was more that he was withholding from her that she needed to have. Yeah. Which was, you know, the knowledge of good and evil.
1: This the idea that God is fundamentally not good and was holding out on her. Right. That you and know that, there was this so that
0: her needs you know you have this need, Eve, and you didn't even know you had this need, but you do
1: because and, yeah
0: and he didn't he didn't give you something that you really should have
1: and if you listen to me, I can provide it.
0: yeah, exactly so step three, children are born self-centered but also receive messages about themselves from their caregivers slash family unit, whether those are positive messages or negative messages so depending on your growing up years and your family unit that is going to play into your view of yourself and how you identify yourself as a person whether you feel like you have worth or you feel like you don't have worth whether you feel that you deserve to be loved or aren't lovable or you are um a good person or a bad person, whether you're any number of things, you can fill in the blank.
1: So these things are building on each other. You start with your need for love. Right. That God created humans with the need right. for love. Then you're born... Wanting to be
0: in wanting control. Wanting to be in
1: control, playing Lord of the Ring. And then the way you view yourself as the Ringmaster is, is largely the result of how you are, the experiences that you're having as you're learning about yourself and beginning to view yourself, you know, as a child child and, and identify your, what your identification and I is not, not in the sense of the way people talk about I identify today, but how you see yourself as a person,
0: right? And then step four talks about your thinker versus your feeler. So, your mind is your thinker, your emotions are your feeler. Um, and he says, whatever you set your thinker on or your mind on, your feeler will react to it. Um, and then I put in here in my notes, I said right brain versus left brain because I think that has a role to play. And that's something I also learned from horsemanship is um horses are either left brain meaning they're more thinking they, they they'll think first before they'll react they'll try to figure out what is that thing over there making noise or you know whatever it is before they react to it or they're more right brain which means they deal with life more emotionally first um, you know, that thing made a noise. I'm going to run away over here because that thing might try to eat me. Um, and for people, I think left brain people are more logical, um, more content to be more intellectual, maybe not as in touch with their emotional side. Um, whereas right brain people... Are more emotional, and and when things come up in life, they deal with it more emotionally first before they'll deal with it logically.
1: But he he talks he talks in this section about this is where he talks about the scale, the emotional scale, right? Yeah,
0: that's what. Yeah,
1: were, mm-hmm. you, were you gonna mention? Well,
0: that? so you have your thinker and your feeler, your mind and your emotions, and based on situations you encounter in life your feeler or your emotions can get stuck so if he talks about a scale of 1 to ten, one being I have very little feeling about this particular issue and 10 being I'm off the charts emotional about it um, you can get stuck and he calls it your emotional Richter scale, so maybe we should give an example of this so
1: the idea the idea is that like if you're if if you're being raised let's say in a very emotionally toxic environment, yeah that your default on a scale of one to ten he gives the example of your default becoming stuck at a a seven right, so what he means then is. So as soon as there's something that comes into play, your needle doesn't have far to go before it's like completely all the way at a ten, or all above. the way at a ten, and you're just reacting out of your emotional right. You know your feelers at a ten versus you know it being your 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 normal setting being lower and you having a more of a range of emotion before you you reach that point. Right. And he's talking about how you know the way uh the the way somebody grows up is going to really set that default needle in a in a certain spot which then is going to impact the way you chew the way you behave think function operate um from then on unless you right. Unless you renew your mind, unless you, you know, understand and identify as the new creature that you are and who, how God sees you now, not how God sees you, but who God made you. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's kind of what he's getting at. And I think we, we know, I'm not going to mention names of anybody, but I know people in my life who are stuck at a seven or an eight and something small happens and boom they're like they're like flying off the handle and are you know way off the chart emotionally and it takes like just one little teeny thing that's kind of what he's talking about
0: so just to give a practical example um i've shared on here before that i struggle with anxiety and that's something that i've struggled with ever since i was very little I think some of it was a tendency that I have naturally to maybe be more an anxious person. I definitely am a right brain person, but then um, because certain things happened in my growing up years within my household, um, you know, I that anxiety was reinforced, like. There was reasons for me to be anxious because something was actually could happen or would happen or whatever. And so that anxiety and that fear would get reinforced, 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 reinforced. There were
1: emotional threats that you felt.
0: Exactly. So, um, you know, for me, my anxiety, that emotion of anxiety get after years and years and years and years and years you know it probably was stuck at a 789 so for me to get ang- when another situation comes along that i'm not even in that situation from before when i was growing up but now another situation comes along that causes anxiety it doesn't take much for me to get
1: so then i'm that... way
0: i'm way way off the charts already
1: right so his point is then you get used to living with your needle stuck at a 7 or an 8. Correct. And it doesn't go below that because that's, your, that's like your new setting. Correct. Right?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: now that's an illustration of... That's his way of illustrating like what's going on.
0: Right. right. It's
1: not like you really have a needle. That's not what we're saying. But no. it's his way of explaining it.
0: Um, our rescue horse, Faith. Same thing was demonstrated in her with her before I um had, you know, this particular trainer come and help me help her work through some of this stuff was, you know, in her mind, you know, she must react to everything that she didn't understand, like, or, you know, whatever, because in her mind, that's how it kept her safe. Right you know and And that's how people are and that's how people are and it became what he these are his words not mine they were habits they became habit patterns this happens over here this is how i react this is just what i do as a horse you know but people are the exact same way you you create habits emotional habits this is the way I deal with this stimuli. So somebody whatever that
1: is somebody questions me, I become defensive. Right. Somebody criticizes me, I become angry. Or I or
0: cower and feel fear, worthless. Or I, you yeah, know, I, whatever. whatever. It could yeah.
1: be whatever. It's it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah. Somebody could be offering positive criticism. But because of past issues, you know, you take it as, that can't be I'm true. not I'm not a good person. I really messed up. I, I shouldn't be doing this job because I just can't do it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Right. So, um, and then step five goes right into what we were just talking about. Your brain creates memories and those memories and things, dealing with those memories can create the habits that we were just talking about. You have these green highways he talks about of um, this is how I handle it when I feel like this. And those can be positive or they can be negative.
1: So I've described that in the past as your path to the barn. Mm -hmm. So we go feed the horses every day. We walk the same path. And as we walk the same path, it gets beaten down. down and worn down and well ingrained and established. That's what's happening. The more folks respond to stimuli using these ways of coping they establish
0: and by stimuli we mean situations situations yeah. relationship situations whatever you, you
1: wear paths you wear out paths to the barn that become just second nature and easy to just walk that path and handle it that way because that's what you've always done and that's how you have that it's worked for you in the past So it might work for you now.
0: So, I mean, the easiest one I can think of off the top of my head is somebody who uses alcohol to soothe when they're stressed or when they're sad or when they are feeling emotions that they're not comfortable with. The alcohol, you know, kind of takes the... We were just watching a show where this character was dealing with some traumatic stuff that happened to him and... He was using alcohol and he said, you know, well, it takes the edge off, you know, and that and it's true. It does take the edge off. But now for this particular person, it was becoming a problem because that was their go to every time they felt emotions that they didn't want to deal with.
1: Right. And so your go-to could be anything. It could be right. substances, it could be food, it could be anger, it could be lashing out, it could be...
0: Numbing yourself numbing out yourself with too out. much TV it or could, it could your be, phone. It, you phone. Know,
1: it could be any, and it's different for every person.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But every person has flesh. Right. But everyone has their own, as well, I'm sure we'll talk so about. So the
0: old man, like, leaves these habit patterns that have formed in your brain.
1: So I would explain it this way. Let's say today is Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. I'm 45. I get tomorrow's Friday. I get saved, mm-hmm. and I become a new creature in Christ. But I, the moment I trust Christ, my old man is crucified spiritually. Spiritually, I'm a new creature in Christ, but I'm still. My, I'm now living the life of Christ in this earth suit, this body, that has had 45 years of establishing
0: ways that you ways cope of stuff.
1: coping and dealing with life and extracting value and love out of life. Right. That does not all just go away the moment I trust the gospel and get saved.
0: Right.
1: That's what that's what the renewing of the mind is. Right. That's what you know. Right. Um, yielding your members as instruments of righteousness and the holiness is about.
0: So then going on with our steps here, step six, you start living according to your feelings, the lies and the messages received (coughs) as to who you are as a person. And this becomes the identity that you operate in and out of. Yeah. Instead of who you are in Christ and who he has made you as a new creature, we learn to operate out of, You know, these things that we've believed from our growing up years, you know, using coping mechanisms that maybe were negative, but they seem to work for us. Um, You know, any number of things. And then um, we kind of got to move along here because we're running out of time. Um, And battery. And my phone battery, yes. Um, And then step seven is rejection patterning. So um, some people, <laughs> this is just my paraphrase of it, um, some people drive love away so for self-protection. So you're somebody, let's just say, who grew up in a house where you didn't experience a lot of love from your parents. Maybe you were overly criticized, overly punished, you're not good enough, you're just a pain in the butt, you know whatever. And so that's the view that you grow up with of yourself. Um, And so to protect yourself from getting hurt, again, you grow up, you meet somebody, you fall in love, they want to love you, and you know, it's a, it's a, this is a good person that just wants to love you and be in relationship with you. But maybe you're that person that like puts the wall up. Like, nope, I can't do that because inevitably that person could hurt me or disappoint me and I don't want to feel that again. Or the other side of that is you become what I call a needy Nora. You are always the person in the relationship that's taking. You know, I need this from you. I want this from you. How come you're not giving this to me? I really need this. How come you're not providing this need? And then you're that person that's always, 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 always taking, but you're never giving anything.
1: And another potential outcome would be somebody who is just, you know, so starved for love that they're giving pieces of themselves to umpteen million people through promiscuous living, you know, and, and, and trying to find value and worth. Right. that way. And that, so
0: you have the person with that puts up the wall like nope I can't accept your love because I might get hurt again. You have the person that's you know needy and is always the taker in the relationship and then you have that's a good point. Then you have this other person who I want love so bad I'm just going to throw it out there to anyone. To and, whoever pays yeah, attention to me. Whoever. Yeah and maybe that person equates Physical intimacy with—I feel loved when I'm physically intimate with someone, you know—and they're just doing that with multiple people, hoping that you know they'll get their love tank filled for a few minutes. Um, So that's that's called rejection patterning, and then patterning, and then step eight is guilt, and he talks about how there's two different kinds of guilt. There's actually valid guilt, which is like. What you receive you know when God's word, the Holy Spirit convicts you that you've
1: that's what Paul talks about with the Corinthians, right that you sorrow
0: godly sorrow godly
1: sorrow that worketh repentance right, right. a change of mind so yes. th- in
0: that sense, guilt can be a good thing, but then there's also fault uh, excuse me excuse me, false guilt which is this well everything's just my fault you know i'm just this terrible person i just you know you're so
1: we should probably stop there well that's
0: where my notes ended um so the app that we use to record the podcast only gives us an hour otherwise we have to add more time so um That's where my notes ended anyway, is I just, I wanted to get through those steps. So So that's where your, the flesh patterning and the struggle comes from. Right. All those steps that we were going through, that's where that struggle is coming from, is all those different sources.
1: So just to recap quick, it starts with your need for love. You come into the world needing to play Lord of the Ring. You learn about yourself growing up and establish thinking about yourself. Your thinker and your feeler come in as as you uh you know, learn to view yourself the way that um you're being sort of I don't want to say programmed, but I guess Well, the, it's
0: just this whatever life situations you right. have, the messages you're receiving in those relations those relationships as you're in your developing years really.
1: Right. And so um and then from there, you know, we get it you you begin to establish and forge a Thinking pattern and identity pattern based on all that. So, right. and that's 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 where he's saying the struggle starts.
0: Right. So that's why we went through through all of that. So um, next time we're gonna talk about
1: three kinds of flesh,
0: three different kinds of flesh, and um,
1: walking after the flesh.
0: Walking after the flesh. Yes. So hopefully. This was of benefit. Hopefully, it made sense. Um, you guys can always ask questions. You can email.
1: Hopefully, we left you with some things to make you want to come back yeah. for the next one. Yeah. So. Well, if you want to reach out to us, you can um, message us on the Facebook page, correct? Yep.
0: The Just Grace It podcast Just with Grace Brian at... and Becky Ross. We have our own Facebook page.
1: On the Facebook page. Or you can send me an email, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N b-r-y-a-n at justgraceit.com that's brian at justgraceit.com if you enjoyed this if you would like it share it leave a comment tell somebody else about it uh we would certainly appreciate that
0: yep and thanks to everyone who um gave us feedback about the intro we're we're keeping the intro we are not changing the intro
1: Nope. (laughs) so all right grace and peace
0: bye